0: Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. There's no right answers, people, for a life or a book. You got to figure it out. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing, all kinds of writing and the writing life, you know just what it takes to be a writer, not just the craft and business of writing, but just what it takes to be a person who faces that blank page knowing there's no right answer. That's what authors about. We also have great video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Uh, right now, I've got uh, my latest interview up there with Susie Moore. She's a life coach. She's been on the Today Show. She's been featured on oprah's magazine and Huffington post and forbes and anyway fascinating woman wrote a book called stop checking your likes it's all about looking for approval from others she's awesome it was a great conversation check it out on authormagazine.org. and we're funded by the fabulous people at pacific northwest writers association they have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955 and uh You know, they do a lot of good stuff. We're going to be, uh, of course, people, we usually gather together, but we can't. Nope, not because of COVID. So we're going to be teaching a bunch of classes online. Uh, So it doesn't matter where you are. You can sign up for those. And also, our conference is going to happen in some form in the fall. Maybe it'll be like it usually is. Maybe it'll be totally virtual. Maybe it'll be a little bit of both. Doesn't matter. We're going to do it. We're going to do it because that's what we do. Uh, We support writers. So go check it out at authormagazine.org. So right before um, all this business with the COVID and the sheltering in place started, I flew to Chicago to speak at, um, what is it, Entrepreneur Making Money in the Arts. I forget what it was. It was talking to young people about making money in the arts and becoming entrepreneurial in the arts. And I had the good pleasure to meet today's guest, Allie Pleiter. We were co-keynote speakers. She gave a great talk about um, managing your time and um working and marketing oh she talked she had a lot of great things to say about marketing and i I gotta have her on the show so i am Allie's an avid knitter she's a coffee junkie and a devoted chocoholic uh and she writes both fiction and nonfiction. fiction she's enthusiastic but slightly untidy mother of two i'll bet she's slightly even more untidy these days and she spends her days writing books buying yarn and finding new ways to avoid Housework. Uh, her writing began with a dare from a friend, and she went on to produce two books on parenting, 14 novels, and various national speaking engagements on faith, women's issues, and writing. And now she's here with us today. Allie, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be there.
1: Nice to be here.
0: <laughs> We're yeah, there, isn't it? Well, here. you're I there. can't
1: be anywhere.
0: <laughs> That's right. You're there, and I'm here. You're in the Chicago area, right? Sorta. Of. I am indeed. Yeah, so how's it there? Are they still saying stay inside or are they they deciding to spring you free? What's going on there now?
1: No, we are still on lockdown until the end of May. Um yeah. Illinois has a very high rate um of, yeah. uh, infection. So it's um it, we're one of the hot spots. So we are sitting tight for the rest of the month and I am a I'm a raging extrovert, so this is this ah. is tough stuff for
0: Oh, uh, the rest of my family are all introverts, but I'm the extrovert. And this has been tough stuff. Oh man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This, you know, you know, what you guys, you know what you should do is you should start a online extroverts, like extroverts anonymous or something where you can get together and all, <laughs> you know, just be together and complain about, because, you know, my wife and I are basically introverts, uh, you know, when it comes down to it. So this has not been a problem for us. It's not been yeah. a problem at all. All right. Well, so, Allie, like I said, I met you. What was the name of that conference? Tell me, I can't remember now. It was it's called
1: uh, SEA, Self-Employment for the Arts.
0: That's what it is. SEA, Self-Employment. It was a wonderful conference. And I thought you gave a great talk on, it was really, was it about marketing? Was that the focus of it?
1: It was about um, customer relations as it as it applies to art, but it was also about sort of integrating the business with the artistic side and and right, getting beyond right. just the I gotta sell to I right. am sharing my art and my purpose with you.
0: Right. And I thought you was a great talk and it had a lot of good stuff in it. And so I kinda wanna come back to that, but I wanna start with you because you had an unusual I don't know, no well, there are some kind of fairly normal routes people take to writing. Yours is a little different. You came to writing a little later in life. You did theater for, or you were an actress for a time, were you not?
1: I did. I started life in the theater in the, in the acting, and uh, which so, as you can imagine, being an extroverted writer is is a bit of an anomaly.
0: It is. Uh, so, yeah.
1: So now that I have a foot in both camps, and I spend as much as, if not more, time of my life in the speaking world, where being an extrovert is is sort of uh, taken for granted. Yeah. So, yeah, I started in there, and uh, I, the, what you said in the bio is absolutely true. I was working in, in fundraising, actually. I went from acting to directing and from directing to producing and from producing to fundraising oh. Oh, um, when a friend dared me to write a book. And uh, you don't dare me, something like that. I, <laughs> I picked right up on it and did it, and I wrote it and sold it, and that was, um, that was 50 books ago.
0: What? What kind of a yes, book was it? Yes, I have it?
1: 50 published titles to my name.
0: <laughs> Holy crap. Wait a minute. How, what kind of a book was the first one? Was it fiction um, or fiction? It,
1: it, it was a romance. I've, been, I've made okay. most of my life in, in romance. And uh, I've also been working in category romance, which is uh, what most people think of in romance novels. It's, uh, it's, I write for Love Inspired, which is the faith-based arm of Harlequin romance. So right. those little yeah. books you see in the grocery store,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, that's
1: a large portion of what I do. And then I'm I'm also working in a couple of other genres. I've done some nonfiction, I've done some mystery, um and, and I do an awful lot of public speaking. So it's just one part of what I do, but uh fifty books wow. means that uh when you know, when you teach writing productivity you'd better walk the talk.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, I have a <laughs> I have some friends who are romance writers who who work within you know, for the general romance is broken into categories and I don't know yeah. many writers who just write general romance. They all have their thing they do. And mm-hmm. the ones I know who are have been the most successful at it were writing four to six books a year sometimes. They were just, you know, putting them out. And yes. I don't know if you were writing at that pace, but you, well, you aren't, you aren't 95, so you must have been writing more than one a year, uh, I would imagine. Um, I average and, about
1: four a year, yes.
0: Right, okay. And, and, and four romances a year or just four books period a year?
1: four books, period. Sometimes it's four romances, sometimes it's two romances and two in another genre, or, you know, three romances and one nonfiction. I like to right. mix it up a bit.
0: Yeah. And so, your first, so you so you, so you, were, so you were, did theater, and let me ask you, you did theater, and then directing, and then producing, and then fundraising, which is an interesting blend, but you were doing all those things. Did you like, when you were doing the acting, did you like it? And when you were doing directing, did you like that? Did you always feel a little unset? Like, what was it, when you were moving from thing to thing to thing, did you just use up the thing you were doing? Like, how did those moves happen? Uh,
1: some of them were deliberate. Some of them were more organic. Uh, I think the reason that I left performing is uh, that uh, particularly in acting, if you want to do really well, uh, you have to be pretty much brilliant. And I wasn't. Uh, and I'm also right. six feet tall, which is a yeah, bit right. of a liability in performing.
0: Yeah, it's a little tricky. So, yeah.
1: you know, I wasn't a big fan of starving. And I realized that I had more skills in directing. And then I also was one of those people who didn't mind the business aspect of it. I'm really a, um, an equal camp left and right brain person. Right, So the producing became an easy hop and fundraising was just another way of producing money for cultural organizations. And that's really where I started writing because you're telling stories when you're raising money.
0: You're telling the story of why, it would be. It's a good idea to give. You're telling the story mm-hmm. of this organization. Why then? Do you write why they need money, or why it would be? What the world would be like without them? What do you? What's the story you're usually telling when you were doing? Uh, the, when you were writing those proposals, the you're
1: mostly telling the story of how the funds that are raised change lives.
0: Ah. Um, nice.
1: or, or a community, or you're, you're trying to get right. the story as, as individualized as possible. So you're telling the story of the child who's been fed or the, uh, the young child who's got a chance to discover that they have gifts in the arts. Um, right. So it's, I think that's where and, – and then, of course, a lot of grant writing is meeting deadlines. So that's those kinds of skills of writing a compelling story to meet a deadline – Uh, were really the genesis of the Chunky Method of productivity. So that's that's really where it was born, was in that. And then when I started to apply those tactics to fiction is when things really blossomed into what I spend most of my time doing now.
0: All right, Chunky Method, it's a book. You can buy it. It's called the Chunky Method Handbook. Well, what you (laughs) gave me is the Chunky Method Handbook. Is there another book besides the Chunky Method Handbook, or is that it?
1: Um, It has a sister book uh, that's called How to Write When Everything Goes Wrong.
0: Okay. which is oh, about how
1: dream. to stay productive and creative when life is kind of falling down around your ankles. So as you can imagine, right. I've been doing a lot of speaking on how to write when everything goes wrong this month, because a lot yeah, of writers no are, other creative people are discovering that keeping your creativity up and running when things are pressing in the way they're pressing in right now is a, it's quite a trick and there are ways to do it, but a lot of people assume they can't.
0: Right. And so do you, have a lot of great stuff to say about uh, creativity, productivity. Uh, so in, it, what, is, what is the chunky method for our listeners who are not familiar? How would you describe the plunky, the, the, the plunky method? The chunky method. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the chunky method is basically this. Every writer has what I call a chunk. And your chunk is if I sat you down in, in pretty decent circumstances and let you run. Said write until you run out of juice. Yeah. Uh, and you did that. What writers often don't realize is that if, if I did that five times, you would be much more consistent in producing a certain amount of words those five times than most people think. We often think that right. writing is, you know, inspiration and, and some days I'll write five chapters and some days I'll write five paragraphs. In right. Fact, we're actually much more consistent we sort of have a creative battery, if you will, that, that can only go so far. So once you figure out what your chunk is, say it's 600 words or 2,000 words, um, and it runs, it runs the gamut, then that becomes the building block for figuring out how do you create a schedule that's ba- based not on what someone else's idea of what a serious writer should do, right. but is your chunk. How many chunks do you need to write the book that you want to get written? And once you build that schedule, because it's based on how you write and and not, you know, it's, it's based on how your creative battery, how your creative energies, how far they go anytime you sit down to write, then you create a very doable path to the end of your book to reach your deadline. And a lot of times that is a, a sort of a light bulb moment for an author yeah. where they yeah. realize. I I can actually schedule this. Yes, you can give your muse marching orders. Is what I tell people. And and not only does it get you there, but it's also usually much less stressful because you're looking just at what's the next chunk, not the entire book, which can loom as this sort of giant long-term
0: goal right. that
1: that sort of vaguely sits out there on the horizon, making you nervous.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of something I – one of the things I teach my students early on is that the professional writer – it is related to this. It's a little different, but it's related to that the professional writer knows how little they have to know in order to write. In other words, you don't – I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe you outline, maybe you don't, but you know just that a lot of it will be filled in if you do a chunk, and what you describe as a chunk, where sometimes the beginning writers, they feel like if they don't know the whole thing, if they can't hold the whole thing in their head, they feel like they can't write it. But it it all happens in these little bits, and you don't – I personally don't need to know much in order to write something. I just need a a little bit, and then the rest figures itself out. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Actually, it's very interesting that the more you start looking at what I call your chunky style, uh, you discover things about the process. I'll give you a perfect example. When I am about – most of my contemporary romances run about 55,000 words. And right. when I am, I would say about 10,000 words into it. That's when I know that I, I I can figure out what my best research questions are. Because like, like you said, I'm far enough into the story to know what I want to know. But I'm right. not so far into the story that if I do my research and I discover some really fabulous thing I didn't know before, that I can't craft the story to include that. Right. So once right. you take the chunky method and you can put that almost on a calendar – then I know if I'm going to hit the 10,000 word mark, say, in November, I know that's the perfect time to schedule my research trip to wherever I'm going oh. because I'm going to be at exactly the right point in my project to take full advantage of that trip or that wow. interview or what have you. So the more right. you know about your, your, your style and your process, the more you can capitalize on it and get better and faster and stronger. And the, the flip side of that now is I know – at around forty thousand words, I hate the book. I hate every <laughs> single book.
0: <laughs> Eat all fifty
1: of them. It's never not happened.
0: Wow. At,
1: 50, at forty thousand words, I hate it, and and I, wow. I'm convinced it'll be you know it'll it'll be the thing that ruins my career, and it'll no one will ever like it. And My editor will want me to rewrite the entire thing. Right. Book. And then that I happens at forty thousand oh, words. I'm at forty thousand words. That's what this wow. is. And I wish that knowing that stopped it.
0: Well, isn't that weird? I mean, you've written, you've written 50 books. You would think, don't you ever go through the thing where you reach the 40,000 word mark and you hate it and you go, oh, right, I'm at 40,000 words and you do what you obviously have done 49 times before and you gather yourself and you find the ending and you don't hate the book anymore. Don't you ever say to yourself, you know, I'm not going to be like Charlie and Lucy in that football next time. The next time. I'm, I'm I'm not going to do this again. This will be the last time I hate my book at forty thousand words. Have you have you had that conversation with yeah, yourself? Yeah,
1: it's never happened that way. <laughs>
0: it never. It doesn't go. It doesn't matter.
1: Wow. Yeah, I look at it and go, Oh look, I'm right there. And um and the funny thing is that you know people who know me well, like my husband, I'll come in and I'll be snarky about my book, and he'll go, Where's your word? What's your word count? Oh, and I'll be wow. like thirty-eight <laughs> fifty. So that's why you hate it.
0: Wow. Well, well,
1: so it's a self-awareness.
0: So uh, when we were sitting around talking about your chunky method at the uh, conference, you identified me as the type of chunk, because you, you sort of break them down to two types, a big chunk and little chunk. I do. And you said, I'm a big chunker. And I was rereading the book. And, and uh, yes, I am a big chunker. It's true. Not only in terms of my word, because I'm like two hours and about 1,500 words is usually what I do. But not only that, mm-hmm. but I do like having like, I want to be in this place. At this time, facing you know, I I mean, I like to think I can do it anywhere, but I really would just prefer this seat this time, really at the same time, too, Allie. I'm there at like 618, and I'm ready to go. So, but you, my dear, you're a little chunker, yeah? I am. So, so and it's amazing how
1: those personalities come out, and how most writers fall. And it, 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 you know, I I began to sort of see those similarities. And big chunk writers who tend to be, for my definition, about a thousand words and above in their chunk, they do. They need to be in a certain. They like to have an office. They like to be in a certain space. They like to. And it's not that you can't work some other way. Right. there's something really empowering about knowing this is my preferred work style, and yeah. you can do things to build on that. And a lot of times, the big chunk writers, someone will say to them, you are not a serious writer if you don't unless you write every single day. Yeah,
0: that's, uh, yeah. well, that tends to be the case. But do you not write every single day? How could you not write every single day if you're – I mean, five days a week anyway, if you're putting out yeah. four books a year?
1: I do. do five- I write every single day. But, you know, people who are trying to sort of get their speed and get up to speed when when they're told you must write every single day. And, like, I I work with writers. Um, Some of my coaching clients have chunks that are 3,000 words.
0: Yeah, wow. And unless you're a
1: full-time writer, it's kind of hard to make that happen every day. And imagine being told that you weren't serious. If you didn't yeah. write and so you tar- you start writing to write a little bit every day because that's what serious writers do.
0: And right. you're working
1: against your style and suddenly you're frustrated and it's not it's not working and you don't understand why.
0: Yeah. So it's yeah.
1: fun to talk about the big chunk writers and little chunk writers. When I talk about that live in presentations or whatever, it's like watching light bulbs go off over people's oh right. their- <gasps> that's right. why that bothers me so much. Yeah. You know, little and chunk And you're writer, a little chunk writer.
0: Yeah. You, There's you no way I or... can go
1: away on a retreat and write a book. It would it would drive me insane. Right.
0: <laughs> well, you know it's funny. For me, my big chunk. I mean, I have to write because I have a bunch of different projects I'm working on. So mm-hmm. I have to write like three times a day. I break up like okay, I'm going to work on this. But if mm-hmm. in my ideal world right now, I actually would not have three projects. I would do all my writing in the morning, and the rest of my day would be spent doing something else. Like I. After two hours, I would be happy not writing again if I could. But right now I can't do that. But I'm like done mm-hmm. at that point usually. So I have to find the, I have to find time. But you, do you, do you, I mean, because you're doing, you're doing like what, how many words of the pop do you usually do?
1: I do about 2000 words a day in in two 1000 word chunks. Now, oh, okay. I'm I'm working on four books at a time, but I try to I try to square it off so that I'm only drafting one at a time. Right. Uh, and I'm doing, right. you know, the the revising or anything else of or the proposing of, of another one. Uh, and so there's a huge. What I an, my husband's an engineer, so he would say it's a Gantt chart. There's a huge Gantt chart on my wall, and so I know exactly when that dropping because I can literally sit down and calculate how many weeks it takes me to write a book and put that right. slot in in a calendar. Um, so, for when I give when I when I sign a contract and I give a due date, I know exactly how I'm going to get there and exactly <laughs> right. how that scheduled in with all the other work that I have and there's there's a tremendous amount of stress reduction that happens when you can be that specific about how you work
0: you know one of the things uh, I get asked about is is um uh outlining and I, I I I have a kind of a parlor trick I can do when I would interview writers I could tell like just from talking to them if they were outliners or not and I was usually pretty accurate on it and I haven't like written down my results but I find that like It breaks down to like 25% of writers are like, no, nothing, nothing kind of outline at all. Just absolute free form. About another 25% are like, I've got to have that thing outlined before I can really have any hope. And then the other 50% are sort of, they have a loose sense of the outline and the kind of roll from there. So it, it seems to be how it breaks down. And, and I've found that if you aren't an outliner, you better not outline. And if you are an outliner, you need to outline. So my question to you is, as you've taught all this, is there, is it like 50, 50, big chunk, little chunk? How does that tend to break down?
1: It does tend to run 50, 50. Uh, oh,
0: okay. Sometimes, oh, interesting.
1: Um, and I can't, I can't tell. Like, I can't look at someone and go, oh, you're a big chunk writer or a little chunk writer. But I do know some of the behavioral characteristics, like little chunk writers um, will use any number of devices, pads, phones, whatever. Um, They tend to not be people who sit still for long periods, things like that. Big chunk writers tend to be the kind of people who like they have to touch the keyboard before they buy their laptop, and they need (laughs) to know what's on the (laughs) wall in front of them, and they have to write with purple pens, you know, right, Um, right, right, because they they're they're fed by their environment. Um, So yeah, it's about, it's about fifty fifty, and it does not uh, designate itself out by genre at all.
0: No, I wouldn't really a
1: personal thing, which is why the chunking method is so fun. You can. I've actually taught it to graduate students to get their PhD done.
0: Sure. So the oh, content for sure. doesn't
1: matter. It's the process.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I got to tell you, I think I'm going to incorporate some of this into the teaching. I do. I think I'm going to, I'll give you full credit. Of course. <laughs> uh, no, but I know, but I do think it's good. For, I hadn't thought of that particular approach and, uh, and, and helping people understand the way they work in that way. So I'm going to incorporate. I think it's good. I think it's really true too. And it's good to know it's 50, 50 like that. Cause I, I can probably, I'm going to be looking out of the classroom and, and know that about half of them work the opposite of how I do, you know? Yeah. You pro- yeah. yeah. Well, all right. So when you I, to go back a little bit, when you wrote, you got that dare from your friend and you wrote a romance, did you, what, did you write the kind of romance you're writing now? Or did you just write a more generic kind of romance for that first one? Oh, that's
1: a good question. Um, I like to think that the the voice that I had back then is, is Bill, you know, because it's such a kernel of who you are. Um, It was a, it was a very basic romance. um, And interestingly enough, I hadn't read a lot in the romance and I think that that did me some favors in that I, I have spent my entire career being sort of an unusual version of a romance writer.
0: Uh And
1: so I just wrote, the one I thought I could. And I thought I, I wrote the one I'd want to read. Right. And, right. uh, just, I tell people, uh, I'm a person of faith and I tell people that God set it up that I couldn't take any credit for it. Cause he knew that if I could, I would. So right. it's just one of those fabulous Cinderella stories that I used to be uh, I used to be ashamed to tell it because I would be sitting on the diet next to someone who had, you know, 50 rejection letters, and I sold the first right. book I ever wrote. And did then you, I Did realized, you get, people.
0: Did you get a lot of rejections on that book, or did you sell it pretty easily?
1: Sold it the first time it went out.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, um,
1: oh my
0: God. All right.
1: So, again, <laughs> I can't, I can't, you know, that's not, people ask me, would you come talk about breaking into writing? And I'm like, I'm not the person you should ask. Right, me right. I that you can't do. do it You can't do it the way I did it. Um, And that, and then I just, you know, so I, I jumped on it. I, I brought whatever I could to it. I brought my own life to it. I brought, um, I came from a very political family. It was a political story. And I just, I knew enough to do the job, but I also didn't know enough that it didn't bother me to break all the rules. And uh, that's a good thing and a bad thing.
0: You know, I'll bet there's an aspect of your, Breaking into publishing story that you could teach, and I've heard it before from other writers, which is the, although I don't know, I mean, I think you're an ambitious person, and you're someone who doesn't do anything half-baked, but there is something to be said for not having all your all your eggs in a book basket, not having your entire identity and self-worth into whether a book gets sold or not. And it sounds like that was not the case from you. This was just a dare and you got interested and you did it. The low expectation thing I think is incredibly helpful because I think high expectations, which I certainly suffered with, can actually interfere with the process. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I do. And I I think the other thing that, that, made success possible for me was a really strong sense of the fact that this is a business and the editor is your partner and you are working together to produce a product. And and so, um, I really come at it from a very concerted effort to be the best possible partner with my editor and publisher. And I think that that goes a long way. One of my favorite sayings is, um, the world is thick with talent, but it's short on people who deliver.
0: Mm. Oh.
1: And so I yeah. try to be the person who delivers. You
0: do. You've, time, delivered You've delivered a lot. You've delivered and delivered and delivered. Well, you know, it helps to. Be, it does help to be to. I think of it as being a pro, like being yeah. dependable. It's a lot to it, you know. Just being it up for in the world of theater, it's like: Do you know your lines? Do you know your blocking? Or do you not? Because it's a lot easier to work with someone who knows their lines and blocking than someone who doesn't, right?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Show up, hit your mark, do your job.
0: Right. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that comes into it, too. But you want to be able to be dependable in that way. Uh, And, of course, you are. And so, all right. So, Allie, people are listening to this and they're thinking, oh, my God, I've got to work with her. I'm so unproductive. I'm so lazy. I feel lazy. But I know I'm not. But I feel that way. I think she could help me. What should they do? What should they do besides buy the chunky method? Can they get in contact with um, you?
1: They absolutely can. The fastest and the easiest way to join what I lovingly referred to as the chunky nation
0: is <laughs> to grab a
1: cell phone and text the word chunky. So that's C H U N K Y, to the number 22828. two, two, eight, two, eight. That will get you eight, into the mailing list. Right. You'll get wow. sent some information. You'll get set a, sent a copy of the Chunky Calculator, which is an Excel spreadsheet, a pre-programmed Excel spreadsheet that will help you do that whole process uh, that we just right. talked about. Um, oh. That's the fastest way. But you can certainly go to AlliePlaiter.com. I love to coach writers one-on-one. Uh, what it doesn't matter what kind of content you're writing, be it business, fiction, non-fiction, mystery genre, you know, even even um, educational and uh, academic work uh, it's all about the process and i love to do it and of course reading the chunky method is always a good place to start
0: all right people her her technical savvy puts me to shame i just I, I, <laughs> I need a i need something people can text to for fearless writing. okay so you got it people 22828 did i get it right yep text
1: the word chunky to 22828
0: you see that i got it all right good so that's the way. Or you can go to her website. And uh, anyway, she's a great person. You, you, won't, you won't be steered wrong. Check it out. But I'm not quite done with you, Allie. I got one more question. And what I want you sure. to do is finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what?
1: If writing has taught me anything, it's taught me that you don't know what's possible. <sighs> That the more, you know, the more you step out, the more you try, the more you expand your horizons, the more you expand your skill set. I can do things now and I have opportunities now that I would never have dreamed possible even five years ago. And conversely, in, in the kind of situation that we're finding ourselves now where we feel like we're surrounded by limitations, there are still extraordinary possibilities to be unmined. So I that's what I think writing has opened up incredible possibilities for me and I try to stay open to those and I try to look for them and I try to think of it all as a wonderful adventure even the bad stuff is yeah. an adventure and as what's the famous writer saying it's all material
0: it is it is it it's is
1: always it's all material
0: that's right. That's what uh, I interviewed Nora Ephron and that's what her mom said to her. I don't want to hear you crying. It's all material. <laughs> it's true. Mm. Allie, you're awesome. Uh, keep doing oh. what you're doing, <laughs> people. You can't be wrong if you want to work with her. She's great. Uh, good luck on your next five or six books you'll write next month. And uh, I hope I get to <laughs> see you again sometime soon.
1: I'd really like that. This has been great fun. Thanks so much for uh, for having me.
0: You are welcome. Take it easy.
1: Same to you. Have a good day.
0: You too. Oh, people. It's true. You don't know what's possible. You don't know. Just like you don't know how your book's going to go. Just like you don't really know how your book's going to go until you write it. You don't really know. You discover it, don't you? Yes, you do. Well, same is true. Writing opens your mind up to possibilities. Possibilities, people. That's what it's all about. Okay. I'm going to be back again next uh, next week Yes I am What's the woman's name I can't remember Doesn't matter She's, She looked fascinating And that's why I'm going to interview her So all you uh, Stay safe Wash your hands Hug your loved ones uh, Thank my producer RJ Jeffries Your awesome RJ And uh, until next week Go find something you love to do And do it